in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
children you are the same God you are the same God you answered prayers back then and you will answer now you are the same God you are the same God you were providing you are providing now you are the same God you are the same
Amen. Well, it's good to have you today. Memorial Day weekend. How many of y'all got big plans this weekend? How many of y'all are going to sit around and relax? Anybody? That's what I'm going to do. Memorial Day is uh, it's a reflection and remembrance of, of those who have died while serving in our military, so we honor them. And, uh, so while you have your fun this weekend, whatever you're going to do, make sure you do some time of reflection for uh, the freedoms that you have and the uh, incredible nation that we have the opportunity to live in. Amen? Amen. All right, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, uh, you can prepare that offering envelopes from the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. Uh, one of the ushers will have them for you. Also, if you have a prayer request, a prayer need, Make sure you wave your hand around. They have prayer cards. We'd love to pray for them. Just throw one of those out. Get it to me or uh, give it to one of the ushers. And we'll make sure we add them to our prayer list as we continue to pray over the needs of our church family. Amen. So let me pray over your tithe and offering. Uh, and, of course, tithe is uh, the increase of your life. The tithe is 10% of the increase of your life. It comes out at the front end of your increase. And it's an honor back to God. The Bible says the tithe is holy unto him. In other words, you are honoring him because of his provision in your life. You realize that uh, uh, if God made all things, right, then even those that don't believe in him, when provision comes to their life, it's still from him. Does that make sense? Everything comes from him in its base. Even those that don't believe in him, you know, the Bible says, uh, Jesus says that, that God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So there is a base level provision that God and his goodness has for all of his creation. Now, but those who believe in him, we turn around and honor him for it. That's what the tithe is. That's what the offering is, what the Lord puts on your heart above and beyond your tithe. And the reason it comes into the church is because then we can do with stewardship and wisdom the work of God because we are his hands and feet in this world. Amen? And that's part of the reason that it comes into the church. So anyways, you give today, you're honoring God because of the increase in your life of provision. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you to uh, be able to come today and, and on this holiday weekend, still to come to your house and be with you and to, to worship you, to get into your word in just a minute. But I, Lord, I praise you today for your provision uh, for each one of us. Uh, and I know sometimes, Lord, we go through stuff, and, and sometimes it seems to be hard, but you always make a way, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you have something, you can bring it this morning. Uh, some announcements real quick. Don't forget, I have a Sycamore House uh, fundraiser. Uh, the, these baby bottles are at the back door. If you haven't grabbed one of these, filled it with a change and brought it back, and you're planning on doing so, do so, because this ends like next week, right? Oh, Father's Day, up to Father's Day. Okay, so uh, they'll be collecting these. You can bring them in, give them to us, give them to Mike or somebody or Tori, I guess, and uh, they'll make sure they get to where they're supposed to go. That's just a wonderful fundraiser for the Sycamore House. They do a great work here in town. Um, don't forget, then also, church-wide prayer, which we have every Monday night. We're, we are now taking our summer break. So uh, we will be back in August. So we break in June and July, but then always the last... Uh, uh, Monday and June is Memorial Day, and people have things going on. So, officially now, church-wide prayer on Mondays is on our summer break until August. Now, it doesn't mean to stop praying. Hello. But 
we just are taking a break from gathering together on Monday nights. Okay, let me throw that out to you. All right. Uh, don't forget our vacation Bible school for preschool through fifth grade is June 25th to 27th, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night. Mark that on your calendar. Also, our summer youth camp for fifth through 12th grade. Uh, it's called Pump, and it, it, it's July 13th through 15th. If you have questions about that, you can see me. They're meeting at the Lighthouse uh, Camp in St. Mary's, as they've been the last couple of years. So if you want your young person to be a part of that, uh, let me know. Uh, registration opens for that online this week, and we'll post on our Facebook page how you can get a part of that. And also, one more quick announcement is... Uh, we're having a church picnic. Yeah, we're going back to the park here in town. That's July the 30th, so we're giving you like a two-month notice, all right? So right after church. That's also, by the way, a one big family Sunday. We're all of our kids with us for the whole service that day, so we're going to have a service a tad shorter, and we're all going to go as a family of faith and have a picnic together. Sound good? All right, so it's July 30th. You can mark that down. And the LifeWise Academy has been approved to be in the Urbana school system. Um, if you don't know what that is and want more information about it, uh, that's what these little uh, packets are for. So pick one of these up. I'm going to throw them over here on the corner of this, of this platform. Pick one up and check it out. But they, they do have uh, volunteering opportunities, and uh, LifeWise is an opportunity for students to uh, go out of the school go to uh, a different place where they'll teach them some Bible things and bring them back to the school. It was approved. It's a really cool program. It's happening in a lot of uh, school districts in the area. So if you're interested in that, uh, pick that up. Also, if, you're, if your uh, students are homeschooled, but they are a part of the Urbana School District, they're also going to be a part of this. So check that out. If you have questions, you can see me. But I don't have all the answers. I'll point you in the direction uh, to give you uh, better answers than I can give you. So, having said that, get your Bibles out. Now, I'm going to get into my message in just a moment, but the Lord dropped something in my heart. So, I want to show you something. This is actually part of my message next Sunday. I'm going to show it to you today, and we'll re-show it again next week. But the Lord just dropped in my heart during worship to encourage you all for a minute before I actually get into my message today. Listen, everybody look at me. I believe in you. But I also know life isn't easy. But God, even when it seems like you hit the mat, God has not left you. So I'm going to show you a, a real fast video here. It's got a little boy who's got his little superhero costume on. Okay? But it kind of gives you an example of what happens in life. You got that, Lila? Show that for me. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay, so how many have ever felt like that? You feel all powered up. You feel like the Holy Spirit's with you. God's with you. Then you go run and live life, and boom. And before you know it, you're hitting the deck. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, see, next week is Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to talk to you about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. What does it have to do with that? Well, I'll tell you that next week. But just to say this, when you hit the deck, what you do at that moment means everything. You can lay there and feel sorry for yourself. You can lay there and wonder why life isn't fair. You can lay there and moan and groan and complain. You can lay there and be mad at God. You can lay there and disconnect from the church and quit coming to church. You can do all sorts of stuff. 
or you can get back up and realize you still have your superhero costume on. That the Holy Spirit's still with you. God hasn't left you. And then watch where you're going this time. Open the door and keep going. Now, are you going to fall down again? Well, that little guy's going to, I guarantee it. He's going to trip. He's going to fall. There, there was one young, one of our kids was here today who came into church. He had a bloody knee. I was like, you, you hit the deck. Yeah, I was out playing. I, that's life. See, when God calls us to the narrow road, he never said it would be easy. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. Your knees are going to get bloodied. You're going to have some scars. But it's not that life is perfect because you believe, but God is with you because you believe when you fall. There's a difference there. I don't expect my life to be all roses and happiness because I'm a, I'm a Christian. What I expect is when life isn't roses and happiness that I realize that God is still with me, he hasn't left me. And he's going to see me through. Because that little boy got back up. It didn't show it in the video. He probably cried. I don't know. But he got back up, I'm sure. And then, then after he got over himself, he was running around like a superhero again. See what I'm getting at? What you do when you hit the deck means everything. But I promise you, you're going to hit the deck. Right? Because you live life. It's not perfect yet. It's going to get perfected. But it's not, it's not yet. That's our great hope. It's not yet. But get back up. Get some wits about you. Right? Thank God that he's still with you. And keep going. Amen? Okay, that, that's next week. John chapter number 5, verse number 19. This is today. We're, we're doing a series on discipleship. We started last week, and I really wanted to get at the heart of why you say you follow Jesus. And we talked about the fact that um, our base desire of the Christian life is to know him more. Your base desire is not to get to heaven. That's good. But your base desire is to know him more. And eternity in heaven, all that stuff is a byproduct of him. That's why the basic thrust of salvation is reconciled relationship. That word is big, relationship. Relationship with God. When you hear somebody say Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship in its base level that's true. Although we do religious activity, obviously. But it's really about God and restored relationship with him that had been marred because of sin. That's the whole work of the cross, what Jesus did. So basic discipleship is that I am following Jesus, and the base of that is to know him more. See, to be a disciple means that you follow some sort of a master, a master of something, and in that, then you learn. And by the way, uh, that's, you hear a lot of people that, that talk about the word repentance. You ever heard, hear that word before? It's not just asking for forgiveness, but it's life change. 
Discipleship is the essence of living repentance. It is following a master and learning from him and allowing your life to change because of him. That's repentance, life change. So you hear people, you got to tell them to repent. God, tell them to repent. Well, yeah, repent, but you got to follow. And then there's life change. It's, it's all the same thing. So what is your chief desire of the Christian life? Well, it should be because God is a relational being. God is not just a religious idea or a set of things that I believe or a bunch of doctrine. The Christian life is a relationship with God. There are things that I do believe, and there is doctrine that we do draw from the Scriptures, theology that we live, certainly. But Christian life is not just things I believe, but it's a life that I live. If you say you believe in God, then my, my question is, then how has that changed your life? What, what good is it to believe in God but not have your life changed? It doesn't make any sense. So, continuing discipleship today, John chapter 5 and verse number 19, we're picking up some, some mid-thought here with Jesus. And so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son, he's talking about himself, can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. So in other words, we, we see one essence of how the, the Trinitarian relationship is working, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus was here as the Son of God, but if you think about it this way, he just wasn't walking around doing what he wanted, when he wanted, and how he wanted. He was actually in direct connection to the will of the Father, and he did what the will of the Father was. He only was doing what he sees the Father is doing. See that? And the essence of discipleship, this is an example for us, is this, that ultimately we see that it revolves around doing the Father's business. Or in other words, what is the Father doing than getting in on that? And that is what the kingdom of God is about. And it turns in, 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 into multiple ways that we can talk about this. But the model of the Christian life is what is God doing, and how can I get in on that? Remember the story of, of Jesus. The Bible says he was 12 years old. His family went up at uh, a, a time of a feast or of some sort of a, a festival or whatever, and they all left, and after they were gone and, and traveling back to where they came from for a while, they noticed that Jesus was not with them. Remember that? And that's because when they did this, they traveled as large groups of family, your, your cousins, your aunts, and your uncles, and everybody's there traveling together. So he would have get lost in a little bit of the crowd. They just figured he was hanging out with the rest of his relatives, and they're traveling. But they noticed he's not there. Remember when they went back, they found him eventually. He was in the temple, in the temple courts, asking questions. And they were amazed at the questions he was asking. And, and they were kind of like, hey, what are you doing? We've been looking for you. And remember he said... Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And another way you can translate that is, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? Even at that young age, he's coming to this understanding of who he is and what he's about. And he sets an example right there, and it shows up in this statement. I'm only doing what the father is showing me. I'm about the father's business. That is the essence of discipleship. You boil it down. 
it's not just things that I believe, but it's following somebody I'm getting to know and I'm learning his business and that's what my life is to be about. That's discipleship. See, Matthew chapter number four. Let's go to another gospel. Matthew chapter number four. And verse number 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was later called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These guys were professional fishermen. It's how they earned their money. Go to your job tomorrow that you do to make a living. That's what they did for a living. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see that? You follow me, you're going to get to know me, and I'm going to put you about the Father's business. And you're going to learn to do what we see that he is doing. And for them, is to make them fishers of men. And Jesus is obviously putting in the context of what they did for a living. They're fishermen, so he's saying, okay, you're no longer going to be catching fish, but I'm going to put you into the lives of people and bring the kingdom of God to them. Now, the response here, I, I think, is telling. Now, uh, for Peter, this probably wasn't the, the first interaction we had with, he had with Jesus. If you put all the Gospels together, he has some different interactions with him. But verse 20, watch this. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, they saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They became known as the sons of thunder. And in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Again, they were fishermen also. And immediately, James and John left the boat and their father and followed him. He disciples are called, and disciples follow. They gave up, you think about this, they gave up what their life was about in order to learn what true life really is. Now, I think there's this, this aspect that we think that uh, these kind of things are, are maybe uh, examples or or a way we would think about what we do spiritually, yes. But notice that this stuff, they, they didn't make a bunch of confessions there, and they didn't, they didn't all of a sudden whip out all the stuff that they now believe. Their following him were simple acts of obedience. See that? That these things weren't... Now, now, again, this wasn't some unhinged fanaticism, but conscious, deliberate decisions based on faith. And by following Jesus, they eventually learned what the Father's business was. They learned what he was doing, and they learned to get in on it. In other words, their life became about it. See, the aspect of losing your life in order to gain life, isn't just a spiritual concept. But see, ultimately, you will lose your life and what you thought life was about and gain a new perspective on life as we ought to live it. See that? 
That's discipleship. It's not just this concept that I'm following Jesus in here. Okay, that's great. You should. But what about the way that you actually physically live life? Now, you're not called to go quit your job and, and just follow some... You want to do that, go for it, but I'm not recommending it, okay? But it translates into how do I live everyday life because I've decided to follow Jesus. That will change. Not just a spiritual concept, but it goes out into who you are. Discipleship, listen to this is not just, hey, what do I get out of this? Discipleship asks the question, what kind of person am I going to be? Think about that. Let me say that again. I want that to sit in on you. Discipleship is not, what do I get out of this? Oh, I follow Jesus, so I get heaven. Okay. I follow Jesus because he'll bless me. Okay. Discipleship is more about what kind of person am I going to be? Because it will change the perspective of what life is really all about. And you get to know what that is because you get to know him. Listen to me. Jesus, and this, this, this is a takeoff, not the direct quote, but takeoff of this guy named Maximus the Confessor. You can check him out later. Jesus gives us an entirely new way to be human. Jesus gives us an entirely new way to be human. He's bringing you out of sin into what? New life. What is that? A new way to be human. And you get to understand what that is because you get to know him. He's our model. And then because of that, you get to know what the Father's business is. What is God doing? I want to get in on that. See? That's discipleship. So it's not just things that I don't do, sin, but that's true, but things that I am to do. Old life is surrendered. New life is realized. So, so, Lila, you got that first slide, please. It says this. Discipleship is total life commitment. See that? Now, now listen, this, this, this is not probably a new concept to you. But you got to really think this all the way through. Where, how, how many ever, when you were a kid, set up dominoes? or some sort of thing like that. And you set up this big, long thing, and hopefully nobody knocked it over, including yourself. And eventually you knocked it down, and the domino. You got to think the dominoes all the way through. Okay? Discipleship is total life commitment that you will lay down your nets, how I live life, and follow him to find out a new way of being human in this lost world. That's discipleship. That is why discipleship is not why I get to go to heaven someday. True, but that's not the essence of it. That's a byproduct. Discipleship is about the here and now. 
how do I live Christian in this world? Well, I learned how to do that because I follow Jesus. I've laid down everything that my life was about. And I made a total life commitment and I follow. And I don't hold anything back. See that? See, when the disciples followed Jesus, it wasn't a half-hearted response. You can say you believe in God, but not really live like it. That's not a full commitment. Now, see, I, can't, I cannot sugarcoat this at all. I, I, think, I think sometimes in the church, I'm saying the church in general, we want to see people saved. Good. But you can't sugarcoat the total life commitment aspect of it. Or else all you want is the forgiveness of your sins and nothing else. That's called cheap grace. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. You can't say, hey, God wants to save you and save your life and forgive you of all your sins and be a new relationship with him and then leave it there. It's got to follow the same, but by the way, just so you know, just so there's no surprises later, you've got to lay down your nets and follow him. Total life commitment. See, salvation is not the end of the story. Salvation puts you on the narrow road as whether you choose to keep walking it. Is that right? No half-hearted responses to the call of God. So here is something that, that I say consistently. Let me say it again because I think this, this kind of brings a good thought to your mind, hopefully. Since you are following Jesus, or you say you do, how, how many of you say you're following Jesus? Let me see. Okay, you say that. Do you really believe his way is the best way? I'm following him, but you really believe it's the best way because if not, you won't stay on that way. You'll find reasons to get off of it. It's kind of like in the church, gathering of believers, especially for somebody like me, a pastor. When somebody comes to me, I'm following Jesus, but yet I'm going to live life that I know is not the Christian way, and you expect me to pat you on the back and go, it's okay, that's fine, no big deal. I can't do that. I've got to call you back to say, but hey, you said, you said, you said. You're following him. Do you believe his way is the best way? Well, it's hard. Oh, I know. I'm not sugarcoating this. I'd rather do this. I'm sure there's a lot of things you'd rather do. I don't see the big deal about it. I'm sure you don't, but your wisdom is not the high wisdom in this situation. Right? Do you believe his way is the best way? Do you believe he understands things more than you do? Do you think he's taking you somewhere that maybe you don't understand the next steps? Do you believe that ultimately he's saving you from the destruction of sin that he brought you out of? Do you believe his way is the best way? Well, if you're going to follow him, you need to, whether or not you always understand it. That's why he's God and I'm not. See, discipleship is a total life commitment. So, so you see, in the middle of, of Jesus encouraging those 
not to worry about the provision of life. He makes this comment. Seek first, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. And his righteousness, how I live life. And all these other things you worry about will be added unto you. In other words, you're going to be provided for. Don't chase that first. Chase God first. Follow him. Then, then he'll make sure you're provided for. But the attitude of the disciple in following him, seeking first his kingdom. Maybe, maybe another one. Maybe we'll talk about this passage in particular before the series is over. Jesus says, pick up your cross. When? How often? Daily. And what do you have to do to do that? Deny yourself. And follow me. That's just not a spiritual concept. It is, but it goes beyond that. You know when the disciples heard that, they basically heard, I'm going to lose my life physically over this. That's what they heard. They understood what a cross was. Follow me. Jesus did not sugarcoat it at all. Follow me. In the process of doing it, you're going to lose your life. That's not a spiritual concept. It's the whole life, whole part of, every part of who you are in order to gain what life is really all about. That's discipleship. Matter of fact, let me tell you how serious Jesus was about this. Luke chapter number 9. Another way we could look at this. Luke 9 and verse 57. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 57. And he says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So, so Jesus is traveling. His disciples are with him and probably some other people that were, were following along. And somebody saw this group and, and walked up to Jesus. Jesus and said, I will follow you. I will, I will commit to you, right? And Jesus right away doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, foxes have holes. They have a home. And birds of the air have nests, they have a home, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's a foreshadowing of his betrayal and his crucifixion. But no sugarcoating it here. This isn't going to be easy. And to another, he said, he actually called out to somebody, follow me. But that person replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. In other words, let me hang around here till my father dies. It's a family thing. I got to be there and take care of it. Then I'll follow you. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Now watch this. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is total life commitment. Now, once you put your hands to this thing of, of the kingdom of God, discipleship, if you let go and look back, you're really not fit for the plow. Think about that. It was, it was all in. All in. Second slide, Lila, throw it up there, please. 
You need to think about discipleship this way. Discipleship involves the entire being, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isn't that what you told you're supposed to love God with? You love God with everything. I love him with my heart. It's the seed of my decision-making. My soul, the essence of my being. My mind, the way I think. And my physical strength, my body. I, I love God with everything that I am. Then what it means to follow Jesus involves the whole thing, too. Total life commitments. My heart is committed to following Jesus. In Scripture, your heart, again, is your decision-making, the seat of who you are. Your soul is the essence of your being. So, so everything that I really am follows him. My mind, the way I think, my decision-making process should follow him. As well as my physical strength, my body, what I do with my body, I follow him. I honor God with my body because my body's been bought with a price. We talked about this a couple Wednesdays ago. There's no part of your being that can be left out of the discipleship process. See that? You can't keep things from him. You can't tell him, I'm going to hang on to this for a little while longer. When you hang on to other stuff, you can't have your hands on the plow. See? Have you ever tried to plow a field with a donkey or a horse or an oxen? Me neither. I'm assuming it's hard. No, he's easy. Back in the old days, you know, back then when they had a wood plow and, and they really had to dig in and, and be a part of the process. You know what I mean? The plow is, is another way of saying, look, this, this takes you. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some work to this. Right? But it takes all of who you are. My desire is ultimately first to know him. I want to know him. There's, there's an old song they used to sing it when I was a, a kid, so it's old. Some of, you, some of you older will remember it. Oh, I, I want to know you more deep within my soul. I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. How many remember that song? One. Okay. Me and you, Lori, we got this. If I could sing, I'd sing it for you, but I can't, so I won't. But really, my desire is to know him deep, deep. Deep within my soul, the essence of my being, to know him, to learn him. I, I often pray, Lord, I want to know you in the simplicity of the gospel and who you are. But I also pray, Lord, that I know you into the depths of who you are, because you are, are deep and you are wide. I want to know you. But when you start to know him that way, you're going to learn some things. You know why you're going to learn? Because he's the master, and I'm the student. That's discipleship. But when I begin to know him and I learn some things, I can't help then to start to tangibly live what I am beginning to know and learn because I'm following a master. 
That's why my life changes. Now, I know you're okay with God blessing you, but you're okay with God messing with you. Are you okay when he gets in there and messes with you a little bit? So, sometimes I think the Holy Spirit is very subtle in how he works. Sometimes it's like a, a cannonball got shot in there. <laughs> gets rattling around. You know what I'm talking about? He does it both ways. But that's why we use term here. Terminology is important to me. So, so I say things like, I, wanna, I want the church to be a house of salvation. Amen. But I also want the church to be a house of long-term discipleship. That you stay the way of the narrow road. With everything that you are. That's the call of God. You know, you can, I can again ask, how many of you follow Jesus? How many of you are a disciple of Jesus? You get all sorts of hand raised, but think about it. How is it really affecting your life? Or is the idea that I'm a disciple just another religious concept? Or is it truly the way I live? It's different. I want to know him. But I want it to change how I live. I want to live that I understand that his way is the best way. So this is a call, call to something much deeper than just saying something. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. I've heard, pastoring 30 years, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of stuff. I shared this before. What, what, because, again, I pastored for so long, and especially as a youth pastor, I eventually invariably, when I'm out doing stuff, will run into a young person that was a part of my youth group or something at some point. Kids that I knew while they were young people, for the most part, had committed to Jesus. Answered, they came forth for an altar call at some point. At camp somewhere, they, they had what they would say, experience with God. And I run into them like 15 or 20 years later. Hey, how's it going? Shooting the breeze. But I always, always, always ask, how's it going with you and God? Talk is cheap. Long-term discipleship is a daily conscious decision. Conscious. You think about it. It's deliberate. Follow him. Because you will face those choices every single day. Right? So, so my, my hope is that when I have this conversation, they'll say, you know what? Been through some ups and downs, but I'm still after it. Amen. Hallelujah. High five. I'll just stay keep going. Don't quit. When you run into the glass door, when you hit the deck, get up. Keep after it. Amen. It's discipleship. Don't go back and pick your nets back up. And go back to the life that you were leaving. When you turn and leave it, leave it. Because you lay down your nets, 
for our hands to the plow. And now you found the work of the kingdom, the Father's business. What is God up to? So whatever you involve your life with, whatever your life is about, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. Before you do anything else, pick up your cross. If you need to, deny yourself. And keep following him. I was in the hospital with somebody recently. And uh, um, we were having a conversation, shooting the breeze, and there was a little bit of a pause in our conversation. They just they said, all that I want to hear someday is well done, good and faithful servant. I was like, that's life perspective right there. Listen, you can be a millionaire. I hope you are. Hide. I'm okay with that. You can achieve all the successes you want to achieve in life. Build a business, have a great family, have lots of kids. Whatever, you're, whatever you consider life success is. Different people think different things. But ultimately, those things will not matter if you don't hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Because essence is discipleship. Everything else that can fit with that, great. That's the call that we have. Amen? No sugarcoating this business. Let's get after it. Let's follow him. Let's be worthy of his calling. You know, there's, there's one passage I always found very interesting. It's in Hebrews, and it talks about those that were martyred for their faith, literally were killed because they believed. And the Bible says, the writer of Hebrews says, and the world was not worthy of them. I thought, wow, what a way to put that. You live in such a way that ultimately maybe the world will not be worthy of you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Okay, now if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, listen to what I just said, you go, Psh, I ain't doing that. Kidding me? Doesn't sound easy. You know what's amazing is, is that he's with you the whole time. He doesn't leave you to do it alone. Doesn't mean you won't run into the glass door sometimes, but yet he's with you. Listen to me, and if you lean on him and depend on him, he will see you he will forgive you of your sins and remember them no more. He will not hold them over you. Wipe it clean, cast as far as north. East is to the west. The Bible says. The other way, west, okay. You know what I'm saying. Yes, west, east. Okay. But the reason he does that is because he loves you so much wants to show you this new way of, of living this human life. That's why he does it. If you've never committed your life to him, he asks for forgiveness of sins, and then you say, I don't know what the discipleship thing is, but I'm going to learn. I encourage you to do so today before you walk out these doors. 
the greatest moment of your life. Why? Because it takes care of the greatest problem that you have. Amen? Believe that? So, so I'm going to pray. Everybody close your eyes. I'm going to ask, if you're here today and you're saying, look, I, I want to I wanna not only have the forgiveness of sins, but I want to learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and I have not done that before. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Why? I'm not going to have you come down front. I'm not going to do anything like that. Just so I see, so I can catch up with you and talk with you at some point. But if that is you, real quick, raise your hand up. Let me see. Anybody in the house? Anybody at all? Okay. Anybody? Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to be here today. It's holiday weekend, but we come still gathered to church. Why we believe we're a witness to a society that there are people who believe. But not just believe, we put action to it. We gather together to learn together and grow together. I thank you for these opportunities that we don't take them for granted. Lord, help us today. Strengthen us today. Give us a double portion of wisdom today. If any of us are on the floor, we've hit the deck. Lord, help us back up. Keep going. Help us. Lord, I thank you for, for simply being the God that you are. So we worship you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. Have a great, great holiday, whatever you're up to. If you want further.